Hello and welcome to episode 193 of What Most People Think. And it's coming to you on a Monday. It's coming to you on a Monday because I'm going away. So I'm recording this Sunday lunchtime and I'm going away on holiday on Monday. So I'm getting it out early. And um, I don't know about you, man. Like, How gender stereotypical is your is your holiday process? Like, I'm going to be honest. And look, you know, this is a podcast, What Most People Think. I'm... I'm, I'm at ease with being slightly more traditional than the comedy community generally, but um, I don't pack, man. I do not pack. I haven't packed for a while. Now, that might sound a bit 1950s to you, but like it's all about division of labour, isn't it? It's not that I don't do stuff to do with the holiday. It's just that when push comes to shove, I'm not sure that my wife really wants to sort of arrive at the airport and suddenly go, Jeff, why does the... Why does the suitcase only weigh one kilogram? And go, well, because I just thought we just needed one pair of underwear each. And then we'd sort of like, I don't know, rinse clothes in the hotel, sort of um, bathroom sink, like a kind of holiday Bear grills, you know? Um, so it's it's partly, I think my wife does it, is just because, well, that's what it's going to take to have the shit that we need. But that's not to say, right? So... These things are not right if, if men are just abdicating all responsibility. And and like a lot of um like a lot of blokes, I I, I book the flights. Um I will look at hotels, I'll do reconnaissance. <laughs> this is the closest I get to ever like doing a sort of like a military campaign. Um I'll book the airport taxi transfers. I will be, you know, I'll be across all of that shit. Um, I'll even do um, restaurant reviews. That's very like very much my bag. Is when we get there, where are we going for dinner on the first night? I'll do. I'll fearlessly scout through loads of uh, nothing lower than a four star rating, please. Um, so yeah, I wonder how. Email in what most people think UK at gmail.com as we're going on Easter holidays and uh, you know summer holidays coming up. Is, is your is your uh, holiday process? as old-fashioned as mine. And if look, if that kind of analysis interests you, uh, the British bloke decoded, it's fair to say that, that, you know, those are among the areas that it will go into. So if that's coming out uh, in September. But as I said on last week's podcast, the way that the Sunday Times bestseller list and all this stuff's done is like, the pre-orders matter like disproportionately loads. So if you can find it in your, in your art, if you can find it in your art, Mary Poppins, um, to just go on there, go on the old Amazons, go on the old Amazons and uh, just do a little pre-order there. Something I look forward to, isn't it, in September. Um, so this is, yeah, what most people think. This is a, a podcast that I'm quite lucky in a way, whereby I get to just, like some podcasts are very much one thing, aren't they? So they go, this is the, what's your favourite public urinal podcast, right? And, and that's the thing that they do every week or, or how to bring up a hamster podcast. Um, this is quite broad, <laughs> It should be said. So a bit of just comedy, chat, chat with kind of like interviews with people, chat with regular friends to the show. Um, we do a bit of men's mental health sometimes. So I'll be doing a bit of that later in the show. And before I know I get a lot of real men who listen to this, that look, the men's mental health is not a heavy thing. It's just having a little chat about the blokey psychology. All right. It's nothing too deep. Um one of my very few format points that we have is the main talking point. So this podcast is weekly and ad-free, and that is funded uh, by Patreons. I mean, basically, 
so that so I, I don't have any adverts on. That's quite unique in podcasts at the moment. And I do that so you don't find me randomly entering into some chat about loose tea. You know, and they try and make a thing, an old-fashioned thing, sort of a food trend again. I'll just be, you know, I'll be introducing my podcast and I go, hang about, and just you'd hear me have a sip of something, you know. I tell you what, uh, I'm really into loose tea at the moment. And the good people at, do you notice how with these podcast adverts, it's always the good people at, not the fucking shameless moneymakers at, or the the commercial grifters. The good people at uh, www.leaveyourbagging, <laughs> it'd just be some awful name, wouldn't it? And you think, well, this product's not going to be around for long. But look, they managed to persuade an investor somehow. So, so good luck to them. And among our Patreon community, we have the brilliant David Domain, a super patron. He listens uh, back. To, he listens to last week's podcast, and then we have Domain Talking Points. So he picks up on something that was mentioned. And we were speaking about journaling because uh, uh, a listener asked a question about if you want to get into journaling, uh, if counselling is maybe a step too far, uh, what's the best way to do it? And David Domain says, best thing for journaling is a page a day diary. A diary. I mean, we could just get in. I reckon society will end up going back to all the shit that we eventually we used to do. Right? We'll just go back to church. We'll go back to go to diary. We'll have chickens in our fucking gardens. Um, David says, do it just before bed to clear the mind of the day's business. A brain dump, a brain dump to make dropping off easier. Yeah, I mean, just before bed. It, it, yeah, I mean, that's that's probably a good time to do it. Clearing your brain of anything. I'll tell you what that is definitely better than, is what I do, is I lay down in bed, I think, don't look at your phone. Don't look at your phone. Do not look. I'm looking at my phone. And then it's always like the last thing before bed is that I look at a load of people arguing. I mean, it's just the most mental thing to do, isn't it? Like there's a room there, Jeff. Imagine if that was in your house. You go, there's a room there and loads of people in there tearing strips off each other yeah, at the moment. But you can't hear it unless you open the door. I go, all right, I'll just have a listen. You open it. Fucking transphobic. All right, I'll shut that door again. So I would There's a little uh, mental health tip is don't look at your phone for half an hour before bed and half an hour when you get up in the morning, right? It just means that you start and end your day well. I don't want to become one of those pricks because I'm not a fucking life guru. I don't know. I don't do half of this shit myself, even though I've just given that advice. There's every chance that I would do both of those things. But if you know what? It felt good to say it. <laughs> uh, new Patreon. So the Patreon, if you sign up, if you go to Patreon and put in Jeff Norcott or what, mo- what most people think, at any level, you will get a shout out. You'll get access to my last three stand-up specials to stream and a whole bunch of other um, benefits. And we had two new patrons this week. Stephen Bullivant. Stephen Bullivant. That is a hard guy name, isn't it? Stephen, oh, shut up. You two work in cahoots. And David McAnally. Bullivant and McAnally. That sounds like, um, you know, one of those weird shows like period drama crime shows. Bullivant and McNally who terrorised the streets of London back in the 1820s. Bullivant and McNally. <clears throat> or or perhaps it's like, you know, one of those modern day where you suddenly remember that there are still gangsters in England and there'll, there'll just be some diamond heist out of fucking nowhere. And uh, Bullivant and McNally, who were last seen living on the Costa del Sol, always the Costa del Sol, even today, probably be Turkey now, wouldn't it? Bullivant and McNally, who both own holiday homes in, uh, oh, I just realised I didn't know any Turkish cities. Okay, before we get on with the subjects of this week, we're going to be talking about the the trade deal that the, the Britain did with 
the CPTPT. It, it fucking has so many letters to it. Uh, we're going to talk about that and how that sort of sparked the Brexit argument again. And then we're going to be doing, uh, we'll talk a little bit uh, about migration and we'll also be talking about men's mental health. But um, before that, we're going to do uh, a thank you and a fuck you. And the thank you is to uh, the city of Ely. So I had a gig there on Saturday and uh, Ely is a city and they're quite chippy about that fact, but it's only got 22,000 people there. But their cathedral, mate, is one of the biggest, most surprisingly sized things I've ever seen in my life. I just turned around a court. I was lost in the, in the city. It's so hard to call it a city because nothing about it says city. Let me tell you. But, um, and then I turned a corner and then there's this big fuck off cathedral, like proper. If you just said to me that, you know, that is the cathedral of like a, like a, a big European city of Lisbon. I'd have gone, yeah, that's about the right size for a, a city of Lisbon. But Ely, massive. It was like, um, it was like, you know, like when you get a really short bloke with a massive knob, you go, that is just, that's just bigger than it needs to be. Bigger, but good for you. Good for you. At least you've got something going for you. Um, the, uh, it's weird, Ely, as well as a place. I mean, I'm not going there on tour. I don't know why I've decided to sort of slag it off. Um, but it, it's, it's got a mainline train line into uh, a train station it goes into mainline station in london uh it's got a you know it's near cambridge it's got a cathedral and yet it is still it still felt quite backwards can you say that now backwards i don't know i said it there you go i am an edgy comic yeah go come for me come cancel me i could do the pr for the tour um the fuck you goes to so there's this trend here so obviously in public life right you get creeps creepy men just perverts, arseholes, you know, leches, all this sort of thing. So that's a that's a problem that women have to face, right? And that happens in gyms and public spaces, right? Um, which is, you know, I completely empathise with that. But what's started to emerge on social media, uh, there's been a few videos of this, is, um, is women that are sort of going to gyms and setting their camera for while they do a workout and then waiting for a guy to say something and then... And then just having a pop at the guy and then obviously sharing the video to get clout. Like, you know, people going, yeah, you go, you told him sort of thing. But there was this one video I saw where the guy that she chose to do it on was so obviously the most fucking nerdiest, weediest guy. And he was just like, he just came over and asked her a question, like a genuine question about where the gym equipment was. And she was like, and then she shared the video going, see what we have to deal with. And like literally everyone was going, see what? The guy looked like he'd never, like that was the closest he'd been to a woman in Lycra in his life, or even a breast, even a gym. <laughs> I just thought, you know, there is that thing where, because obviously the narrative at the moment is that there is a, you know, a tsunami of violence against women and girls or a pandemic or, you know, the, the words that we use now for when something's ticked up a bit. And that is obviously a serious thing that we have to pay attention to but there is a sort of net effect of that which is how men and women react to each other in social situations so i think that while we you know call out the creeps and the perverts could we just leave a bit of space for the idea that some men are just confused dweebs in gyms okay let's talk about the politics from this week and in particular the ctptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptptpt
And it would seem to be a big deal, you know. I think that in terms of like the Windsor framework, which you know some people don't think was a good deal, but certainly the the the, the mainstream media seems to think that was a success for Sunak. And then we have this deal that was signed. It was started by Liz. Was it started by Liz Truss? Might have been. Uh, but there's been a lot of work gone into it, and it's going to mean uh, a bit more money for Britain, you know. And um, no one says that it's fully replacing the trade with you know, the volume of trade with the EU but it certainly seems to be better than the New Zealand deal which was basically an extra packet of fags in a dairy milk you know I think that was the name <laughs> and I don't there are no EU nations right so this is a material uh, thing that has happened you could say is a benefit of Brexit or something at the very least we wouldn't have been able to do if we were still in the EU but what was interesting about it I think is that you know with Brexit most of us are kind of just getting on with our lives, really. Um, but you get the dug-in fighters, right? That still they're on the lookout every day. It's probably a bit. It's probably more from the Remain side, but a bit on the Brexit side as well. It's just like, how can I be proved right again? You know, how can I just make the same point that I've made since twenty sixteen um, again? And this did this deal being signed did seem to challenge some Remainers because. You know, most of the the media commentators that would normally agree with them, you know. The, uh, the Emily Maitlisses, I'm going to do the pluralisation when you don't need it, the John Sopals, the Lewis Goodalls uh, of this world were at least acknowledging that it wasn't a bad thing, right? You know, and, they, and it did seem to be a consequence of being outside the EU. And like the, the degree to which they mobilised to sort of shit on it, it just made me think, that made me think even more that it must have been a good thing because they seem so so utterly challenged by it. Because I guess, you know, ever since Brexit, and legitimately, people there's a lot of things that have not gone well, right? But the argument has always been, name me one one benefit. Name me. When people say that as well, you always think, okay, I don't. this doesn't feel like it's going to be the most open-minded discussion. If someone starts off with, right, name me one single bastard benefit, you go, oh, right, sounds like you're going into this... Uh, Open-minded. Let's let's uh, let's start the debate. Um, and you know the problem with that discussion was always that that one of the biggest benefits of Brexit, well, certainly for the people that voted it for it, was sovereignty. And there was a lot of people for whom that just didn't matter at all, right? They, I guess, in a world where you know we sign up to loads of streaming services, iTunes. You know, we get sent updated terms and conditions. These things are domiciled in fucking California and Holland and we just don't know where anything is. We don't know who these people are that we're giving our data to or who has control over our lives. The idea of sovereignty probably does sound a, a bit odd, you know, and you get the impression that a lot of people, um, they don't really care like who's running the world, to be honest, as long as it's run the way that they want it, right? They don't, they don't care how opaque an organisation like the EU could be. They don't, look, if the world was run by Amazon Prime, but the world was run broadly in accordance with their values. I think that they wouldn't give a shit. But then what you had was um, performative ignorance over what was being said. So Kemi Badenoch um, paid tribute to the deal and talked about, you know, the things that you can achieve when you're part of a pack, right? So immediately that is the starting gun on the old argument of, oh, I wonder where else we could have done that, hmm, being part of a pack. And you go, look, you have to acknowledge that the difference between being in the EU and just being in a, in a trade block, there is there is clearly a difference. Like when we joined the EEC, the European Economic Community, right, it was just a, essentially a free trade deal. And then over the years, you know, through the 
the Lisbon Treaty, the old, the, I'm going to pluralise these as well, the old Lisbons, the old Ma- the Maastrichts of this world. You know, it, it became clear that the direction of travel was to ever closer political union, right? You know, it's got a flag. <laughs> Anything that's got a flag, man, whether that's a, a, you know, a progressive activist movement, a football club, a nation, a political party, anything with a flag, all right? I don't know. Does the CPTPTTP have a, have a flag? I don't know. I'm ignorant on, on this count. Um, and, it, you know, the EU has an anthem, okay? I just, I think you lose a bit of credibility if you if you pretend that the, the EU is the same as the, the CTPTP. Um, and, and people, but that's the point, isn't it? People are challenged in, in their view and they've probably been quite comfortable in the view for a while because the negatives of Brexit have been more plentiful, certainly over the last 12 months, I guess. So they've just got used to... It's like the Tories not doing as badly. People have got quite used to just going on social media or going on their favourite podcast or the news and hearing exactly what they want to hear. And so when something comes back from the other direction, they sort of act unreasonably because they're worried that the direction of travel is changing. I don't think the signing of this trade deal uh, is going to suddenly swing back the polling back round to people thinking that leaving the EU was a good idea. I think that would take a, a lot more uh, good news and a lot longer. But e- equally, before the re- Remainers get pissed off here, it does work both ways, right? So then a few days after this, we get the queues at the port. And this is good timing. If you're a Romaniac, right, if you're one of those people that was on that weird coach coming up to London for the protests, singing your weird EU hymns, you like you like you act like you're annoyed about the queues at the ports, but really you're fucking delighted, right? This is great timing, um, and it, you know it would be churlish, I think, to act like this is nothing to do with Brexit. I think Suella Braverman said that it, it wasn't, or implied that it wasn't. This is definitely, you know, partly uh, to do with increased passport checks. Now you could ask the question: um, Could the French be a bit more cooperative? You know, sort of a general question. But I mean, could you? Because we do in this country make it fairly easy uh, for EU passports to get through. You know, they still get sort of like a sort of fast track because we're trying to be cooperative. But I get it. I get it. You know, we left the EU. We initiated the divorce. So access rights have to be made tricky, right? (laughs) I guess, you know, they don't want to make it easy because there's always been this objective ever since Britain voted to leave the EU was to, to, to dissuade other countries from doing the same, which, you know, if you're a political union, that's reasonable. I think the point's been made, you know, I think a lot of countries, I don't think there are many other countries in the EU thinking about leaving. And I think that we could all just do things that make life easier, easier for all, you know, for, for business and, and for tourists and travellers. But whatever, right? The point is, is that if you're unwilling on either side, you know, if you voted Remain, you're unwilling to at least acknowledge that joining, you know, extra trade with a lot of different countries is a good thing, then why should we take you seriously, right? If all you do is try and shit on something uh, instinctively. And equally, you know, if you voted leave and you're just trying to pretend that the the extra passport checks are nothing to do with, just, just nothing to do with Brexit. Just, I mean, I remember that queues at Dover that used to always be a thing, but it's certainly been exacerbated, you know? So I, that, I guess that's my point, is I think that what most people think is if you can't acknowledge um, the positives and the negatives from something that you supported, right, then you sort, you kind of lose the right to be viewed as an objective commenter.
Okay, just going to do a quick hype. Um, so this week coming up, um, I think Wednesday we're going to be announcing new tour dates, including Nottingham. So people went on at me for ages about Nottingham. There's going to be a Nottingham date. It goes announced Wednesday. So keep an eye on my... Well, I was going to say keep an eye on my socials. And then just imagine me just slowly putting a gun into the roof of my mouth. <laughs> keep an eye on my socials, yeah? Keep an eye on my socials. I was, By the way, I was watching something the other day. I was thinking about... I've been working up a, a routine about advertising for the tour. And um, one of one of the things I said at a new material night, which I listened back to, made me so embarrassed. I said I genuinely started a routine about advertising by saying, the "Thing about advertising is uh, they're always they're always trying to sell you stuff." And everyone laughed, and I wasn't in on the joke. I just said something fucking stupid, and the audience credited with me as not being as stupid as I actually am. But it is funny, isn't it, with adverts that they um, that they're always young and funky, you know, like. Everyone's like, yo, I got my, there was one, I can't remember if it was like for, it was a brand that is not young and funky and never will be. I think it was Greg's and there were some kids, you know, from London and they were like, yo, I got my Greg's, getting my Greg's on, you know, like <laughs> I'm rocking my Greg's. And they try to come up with these things, you go, no, that's not happening. No one's going to say that. Yo, flexing my Greg's. Uh, was it was it Nando's as well? There was a one for Nando's, and obviously Nando's has always been typically pop, more popular with young people. But it was just like this ridiculously diverse group of beautiful and kind of like lovely young people sitting there going, "Yo, my Nando's, yeah." Think about my Nan. Na- they try and make little phrases happen, don't they? I remember it happened a while ago with Southern Comfort and Coke. They did an advertising campaign. Where they said, uh, Soko, yeah, Soko. They just thought, how can we, Southern Comfort sounds old person stuff. Southern Comfort, it sounds not only old, it sounds like it might be drunk by racists. So um, they then went Soko, Soko. And like this guy went to the bar and he said, two Sokos. And the barmaid was like, Soko. And she looked at him like he was sexy just for knowing. Anyway, I've got this ongoing bugbear with just the bullshit of advertising but um it is undeniably effective and so yeah the advert the sorry the new dates will be going up and um there are a few dates i just want to give a shout shout out to please the shotgun is going in the mouth uh halifax the 21st of september first ever tour show in halifax back in lincoln on the 16th of september at the drill hall uh peterborough back at the the Peterborough Theatre, I don't know which one it is, on the 28th of September. Cardiff on the 4th of October. And uh, Carlisle on the 18th of October. That's on a Wednesday. Be, be, look, if I'm going all that fucking weird at the Carlisle, like, fucking come on. I had, one of, I had one of my sad experiences in Carlisle. Last time I was there, I was in a hotel and I was in a travelodge. And um, I, I bought a yogurt to take back to the hotel room. And um, there was no spoon in there. So I, I ended up eating it with, you know, like the flip out bit of your car key. <laughs> I was just eat, I was just sitting in a travel. I was just, just spooning fucking Muller, Muller rice into my mouth with, with my car keys. Sad. It's very sad. Uh, also uh, going to be in Aberdeen. So hopefully see you back out on the road um, in the autumn. God, I fluffed the last bit of that. Anyway, let's talk a bit about men's mental health. So I spoke briefly about journaling last week um, and then I got an email from somebody who said thanks for the chat about men's mental health and I realised that I'd stopped doing that completely and it's really interesting because 
I'd sort of stopped doing it on the podcast in tandem with me stopping thinking about it virtually altogether. And I'll tell you why I was like, and this might be true of you, and it often is the case when we get to Easter, isn't it? Is that you start the year, you know, you're a, bit, a little bit refreshed from Christmas and you get your head down and you just fucking crack on into it, don't you? You just go head down to Easter and, and the collateral starts building up, doesn't it? Because when I started the year, I had a few bits going on, but it was quieter than it's been for a couple of years, you know, because the tour is happening later in the year and stuff. And I knew the book announcement wasn't coming for a while. So I had to get my, um, God, I'm going to use another one of those phrases like from advertising. I had to get my hustle on. Yeah, I had to get my hustle on, boy. I was rocking the work ting. Um, and I took all the work uh, coming, you know, I was doing gigs overseas in Europe and stuff. And then, and then it just got to that point, you know, in February uh, and more so March, just kept getting ill, kept getting ill. Blamed it on the vaccine at one point. <laughs> it might be the vaccine, but I just suddenly that was how frustrated I was getting. I went full anti-vax. And you get the old physical symptoms, don't you? That you've been a bit busy. I don't know, but I don't know what yours are. Mine is the my left eye. You know the eyelid. Do you ever get the trembly eye bit where like a blood vessel or something? Just, just wobbles a bit or, or something, little trembling. Don't, please, uh, I'm a complete hypochondriac. Please don't now fucking email and go, that's cancer, Jeff. Um, I hate to have cancer of the eyes or any cancer, but cancer of the eyes just sounds so brutal, doesn't it? It sounds like something God just decreed. You should have cancer of the eyes. And like Brian Blessed. Um, and then you go, shit. So once you know, certainly at this age, when you get to that point, you go, oh, this is going to take a while to undo as well. When you lose energy on this level, it's like, um, I think it's a bit like um, an iPhone battery, isn't it? You get to a point where it's just not charging properly. You notice that? You go, you sort of like, you go, you start a phone call with four bars of your battery and then you're on one. You're like, ah, okay, the battery's fucked. And that happens to people, doesn't it? And, you know, the weather has been shit as well. As well, people keep talking about that spring when we first went into lockdown, don't we? <laughs> like that was some halcyon time. Um, and, and and that doesn't help because normally by this point in March, it's been one or two nice days. But And then you have to ask yourself, am I enjoying this? You know, because you're working, you're just kind of rolling from one thing to the next. You go, well, what's the fun element? And I will say this as well. I mean, this is probably counterproductive for my podcast, but earbuds... You know, being able to just put a thing in your ear and just be listening to it the whole time, it's a great thing. But there's that that point whereby you go, like, um, am I just completely detached from the real world now? Am I, you know, because you're walking your dog, but you're not really looking up, are you? You're not really thinking about, God, don't worry, I, I, I'm not going super serious here, but I, just, I was just reflecting uh, on these things. And I was also thinking about, um, like, the pressure on men to, to work. Obviously, you know, a lot of women will be... Um, it's what you have to do in comedy now. Is that you can't just make a point. You have to go look. A lot of women work too. I've noticed several women have jobs these days. Women are breadwinners, of course, of course. But what I mean is, is as a man, is once you start working, you are expected to work pretty much your whole life, right? From so whether you enter the workplace at sixteen or twenty-one, you got to basically try try your best to complete an unbroken slab of work that lasts half a century. Um, and, you know, that's that's quite a lot of pressure, isn't it? You know, women, obviously, they get to have a lovely bit of time off having a baby. And that's just, you know, very relaxing. Oh, I'm joking, okay, before women start throwing their earbuds into the river. Um, but it's, you know, it's a change, isn't it? You know, having a baby is the most stressful thing in the world, but it, it's not, it's at least a break in a line, whereas blokes, you just go straight through. 
And I don't know about you, if you are if you are the breadwinner, um, if you if you earn your money, and, and again, this probably isn't just a man-woman thing, but if you earn your money from something weird as well, like comedy, you know, if you're self-employed, it's just weird. It does do your head in sometimes. But yeah, if you stop and think about it, you go, I'm trying to build an empire on sand here. <laughs> the It's such a strange thing to, if you sort of, if you had a share price as a comedian, right? If you had a footsie, imagine, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? This could be a fun game to play. Whose footsie is up or down? It would be difficult, wouldn't it? Because sometimes things that affect comedians, seem to affect comedians badly, affect them well in the long run. So, you know, like foreign currency things, that's all there's been an invasion in Guatemala. You go, but at least there's some stability now. Um, <laughs> it's the, at least the trains will run on time. Um, the, I, I know nothing about Guatemala, by the way. And if they, if they, if by any chance there has been uh, an invasion in Guatemala by the time this goes out, then, um, you know, luckily it was a joke. Um, so, I, yeah, the, the footsie. So you go, oh, you know, a comedian has a scandal. Someone like Jimmy Carr when he had the, um, when he had the the, the joke come out um, about the travelling community. You know, you could you could have said, oh, Jimmy's footsie's gone down and stuff. But then, you know, the the um, the, the top guy at Channel Four, Ian Katz, come out and said, we're back in Jimmy. Oh, his footsie's gone up again. You know, it's inter- it's interesting to think of it like that. And sometimes it feels like that. When you're when you're self-employed, generally, you know, you have a, a week where an idea gets turned down. Can I can I just tell you a quick story, by the way? So, as you as we spoke about with Zoe last week, um, topical comedy is shrinking, you know, on television, and all these people are giving comedians stick for doing comedy on news channels and stuff. Soon, that'll be m- the main place that it is. That's my prediction. So yeah, that you it, it does rock and roll a little bit when you're when you're making things happen yourself. And I just thought. You know, you might be somebody who's in a job like you're a long-termer, right? You're a lifer. You've been there 10 years or whatever, 15 years. And maybe you sometimes think about, oh, I'd love to be more independent. You know, I'd love to have struck out my own. Or I wish I'd done that creative thing. Maybe you should have. I don't know. But what, what you should do is stop and think about the beauty of just having somebody go, bosh, in your account at the end of the month, just drop a slab of money on you. You know, you get your little inflation-based pay increase, right? You can go into your boss, you know, every time you have a kid, go, I need more money. Uh, there is, that that doesn't happen uh, in comedy. So that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying like it's, you know, there are good things about being self-employed where you can generate more money. But look, I mean, the bottom line is, is I've started to realise recently that no wonder my dad thought I was insane. <laughs> and look, things are going well. There's a book coming out. There's I've got another announcement coming up soon. There's the tour and stuff. And, and you know, I've got it to a point where, where the next, you know, next bit of my life or the next year or so is is in reasonably good nick. But what I think, if we just tie this back to the mental health thing, is sometimes you do have to just stop and go, all right, what was the collateral <laughs> of doing that? Do you know what I mean? What are what what marks has this left? And um, so luckily, uh, I'm going away uh, to Portugal for a few days. But I tell you what, if I get stuck in queues at passport control, those fucking Brexiteers. Oh, we just got uh, one there this week, and this is from, well, I'll explain the name to you in a minute. It says, my son was always short, but in the last 18 months, he shot up and now stands above me. However, what do I do to let him know that this doesn't mean anything has changed in the power dynamic? And he said, Tristan, fake name. Yeah, of course, it's a fake name. No one called Tristan thinks like this. You know, my son thinks he's a shit now, but I'm still the alpha. 
That's not a Tristan way to think. Um, I'm gonna guess. I, I wish you'd said your son's. Wish you said your son's age. I'm gonna guess he's probably about sixteen, isn't he? Um, this, so what you got to say to him? You just got to drop little nuggets about grown man strength. Do you remember that when you were growing up? You're going him, see my old my old man, right? Never lifted a weight in his life, yeah, but he worked. He was a butcher, and he had that butcher strength in his arms. Different kind of muscles. I always wondered, is it is it is that possible, you know? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is. You know, he was a porter at the market, and, he, you know, you never thought he was a strong man, but he was strong as a bull. That's what I would do, fake name Tristan. I would just start talking about real man strength. Just, just not like it's connected. Go, no, it's not No, it's not connected to you, so I'm just saying, I don't know if you know that, that when you reach a certain age, like, you know, you might have the physique, but I... I could smash fuck out of you. It's, it's hard, isn't it? Because it's so primal, primitive even, that you get to an age, if you've got a son in the house and he's taller than you. I mean, it's just a simple thing about height. Yet again, this is why men are so hung up on it, because it means something. Never let him hug you. That's what I would say. Never let him downward hug you. I hate that. On the MASH report, the um, the two producers of the MASH report, Chris and Mark, both like 6'2 or something, and I used to hate standing between him because it just made me feel like a tiny little boy. I just imagined as I was talking to him, I was just going, yeah, man, come here, come here, come here. Like I had some squeaky little mouse voice. Um, the, uh, so you just got to let him know. Just got to let him know. Just a little gut punch, you know, every once in a while. Just start a light bit of bullying in the house. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, you just got you just got to accept that, um, you know, it will come a point where you just don't want to fuck with him, really. You know, but for now, if he's only 16, it's probably better for him that he still thinks that he could beat you in a fight. So I would say keep playing that one. And then when he gets to about 20, just go, okay, look, you probably could beat me in a fight now. But for the sake of my marriage, could you carry on pretending that you couldn't? Okay, that is more or less the end of the show. But as it's a solo show, it means I've got time to do uh, a few. A few reviews. Please leave five-star reviews wherever you get it. If you leave a five-star review on iTunes, I'll be able to read it out. Uh, this is from Carl. That sounds like a Geordie name, doesn't it? Jeff Norcott is a refreshing voice in today's divisive and disconcerting and damaging laws all the days there, political arena. Finding common ground and having intelligent and very funny discussion with people from all political standpoints is very welcome. Thank you very much for that. Uh, this one says, this is from JLB. JLB sounds like a cockney. Um... Thanks for the Lineker episode, telling it like it is, with nuance and thankfully, thankfully, sans moral outrage. Okay, the Cockney voice didn't work for that. Let's use a French word. Uh, this is Paul from Stone. Paul from Stone. Paul from Stone. <laughs> I don't know why. You're probably not stupid, but your name suggests that you are. Jeff provides a well-balanced view on the goings-on in today's social and political climate. Great guests from both sides of the political divide with some good debate, light-hearted view of most things, and some swearing. Uh, Paul, thank you, Paul. Um, this is from Top Notch. Um, someone says Top Notch Entertainment uh, always keeps it real uh, and never one to shy away from the reality of today's nonsensical world we live in. Um, and he mentions about a club gig that I'm doing in, in rugby. I don't know anything about when those tickets go on sale, mate. That's not part of the tour, but we'll be doing uh, a long, uh, an extended set. Uh, this is from Roy Badet, who's also a patron. Remember, if you send me messages on Patreon, I will be able to access them a lot more easily. I've listened to Jeff for a while. I look forward to his podcast every week. He's insightful, but genuinely honest with a slight right leaning. 
I dress to the right, Roy. I dress to the right. Um, this is says um, Dave Kosh. I mean, that is definitely a cockney. Dave Kosh, thought-provoking and hilarious podcast. I've been listening to this podcast from day one. Okay, I think I read that out um, the other week. But listen, thank you so much for listening. And if you think this is good, I know it goes all about the shop and I talk about politics, men's mental health, but I am known as the Swiss Army Knife of comedy. You know, jack of all trades with all that that implies about my overall ability level. But the way that people listen to this, the sort of listening numbers have plateaued for a little while now. Look, I'm lucky to have good numbers, but just just mention it to people that you think might like it, you know? And just, I'm not, just say, if, if they've got so many podcasts that are like, you know, what were the top three times that you got, you got a hand job in an alleyway. I, look, that was what an awful end to the week. I don't, it wasn't a good reference point from what I was saying, but, but if they do like an occasional bit of smart, a bit of politics, a bit of men's mental health, chatting with people from other sides of the divide, then then this might be the podcast for them. And thank you so much for your continued listening. I'll be back uh, next week with another episode.